Let's pray together as we now listen to God's word. Father, your, your son Jesus was the greatest teacher that the world has ever known, and we get to listen to him again today. Lord, I pray that any words that I speak today would, would be from his spirit, and that we would, those of us who are filled with his spirit, would, would hear that and agree with that and allow your spirit to change us. Amen. So we've been away from the Sermon on the Mount for a few weeks, but we are, are back at it today. I would encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 7 in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we have one more chapter to go in the Sermon on the Mount. We'll be uh, looking at it for the next month or so as we finish up. And this, this first part of chapter 7 focuses on, on how we relate together as, as broken people. As people who sin, as people who make mistakes, if you live in relationship with other people, any kind of relationship, and this is certainly true about the church, your failures and your personality and your sin and your past, all of that is going to bump up against other people's sins and their failures and their mistakes. And so we need to know how as a community to respond to one another uh, as broken people. As we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, I've been reminding us that Jesus is the, he's the smartest person that has ever lived. He, he knows more about the human heart and the human mind than any psychologist. He knows more about human relationships than, than any sociologist. He knows uh, more about our desires than any marketer. Uh, he knows what is best for us. And, and he knows what human community, he knows what it's supposed to look like. He knows what actions leads to, to health and to flourishing in our community. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' teaching about our life together as his disciples, as his followers, as people who trust in Jesus. As his disciples, we trust in him. We trust in him for our eternal life. And we also trust and we believe that because he is the smartest person who has ever lived and has the very best information about human life, we believe that he is the greatest teacher. And so we seek to follow him in the instructions that he gives to us about our life and about our life in community. That's part of what it means to say that we trust him, that we believe in him, that we follow what he says. And last week, we had a chance to hear, hear this from a different perspective from my, my friend Chad about why we should trust in him, why we should believe in him, and, and why was that? Because Jesus is the what? The Logos. He is the Logos, the, the divine word, the eternal reason and order of the universe, the eternal word of God, the logos, the wisdom that created and put order into our world, that logos is Jesus, the preacher of the Sermon on the Mount. 
It is the eternal Logos in the flesh, Jesus Christ, who is telling us in these verses how we should relate to one another, how we should deal with one another in our brokenness, how we should deal with one another when we fall short of who we are called to be. And so let's listen to the preacher on the mount, the eternal Logos, the, the reason and wisdom that, is, uh, that uh, brought forth creation. Let's hear him speak to us about our life as brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet, and then turn and tear you to pieces. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. This is a very familiar verse in in our culture, right? In many ways, it's taken a little bit of a life of its own, even. A lot of people who aren't followers of Jesus really like this verse, it's, it's a verse that they throw back at us when they feel like we're getting a little bit judgy, right? And actually, that's probably good for us to hear, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But basically, what most people think that this verse means is, get off my back. I'll do what I do, you do what you do, and let's just not bother one another. But that's not at all what Jesus means when he says, do not judge And I want to suggest to you today, it's actually almost the exact opposite of that. I want to suggest to you today that this whole section, verses 1 through 6 of Matthew chapter 7, is about how we can respond to one another in a way that brings us closer to one another rather than makes us further apart. These six verses teach us about how we as followers of Jesus, as brothers and sisters in Christ, how we can respond to one another in a way that brings us closer rather than divides us or brings us further apart. Jesus never saw following him as something that we do only as individuals, but always as something that we do together in community. And whenever we are in community together, there are going to be disagreements and conflicts and differences and personalities and relationships uh, that just make things feel off or that just go wrong. And part of our discipleship, part of following Jesus is learning how to respond to those kinds of relationships well. When someone in our life is falling short, when someone's sin is hurting themselves in the community, or when there is a personality uh, that that is hurting other people, or, or when people hold an opinion or an idea that is contrary to Scripture and contrary to what it means to follow Jesus, how we respond to that person is a part of our discipleship. It's not just a necessary evil. It's actually part of what it means to follow him to handle those kinds of relationships and those circumstances well. 
Because in the church, we are going to mess up. There are going to be problems. You have to deal as, as your pastor with my brokenness and my mistakes and my failures and my sin. You have to deal with them. And I know you all got problems, and so I got to deal with yours and know how to deal with those well. This is all a part of our discipleship to Jesus. They are, they are tests, they are trials, and, and through them, we learn how to better follow Jesus and how to better love one another into this community that we've been called into. Jesus, in all of his teachings, in the whole Bible, is very realistic about Christian community. Jesus knows that we all are going to have spe- uh, specks and planks in our eye. Jesus never thinks that the church is this perfect utopia where everybody's always going to get along. And so he gives instructions like this about how we deal with one another when our relationships aren't going the way that they should. So do not judge. What does Jesus mean by this? What he doesn't mean, what he doesn't mean is that we should never have an opinion about whether something that somebody is doing is right or wrong. Jesus doesn't mean that we should just turn a blind eye to the wrong things that people do. He doesn't mean that we shouldn't discern right or wrong. Discernment is a part of the Christian life. Jesus doesn't mean that we shouldn't have an opinion. That would be impossible, even if it were desirable, and it's not desirable. We have to make judgments. We have to discern people and circumstances. We are called as Christians to discernment. And so Jesus' words, do not judge or you too will be judged, is not affirming this 21st century view of tolerance. This isn't about getting along to get along. Ignoring our differences, ignoring our sins, pretending that everything is okay. And that's probably how this verse is most often used or understood. Don't rock the boat. If you disagree with someone, just ignore it and move on. Don't judge. This is very obviously not what Jesus means by this, because in the very next verse, he's going to talk about ways that we judge one another. And he's going to talk about the fact that sometimes our neighbor does have a speck in their eye. And we need to discern that and remove it, but remove it in an appropriate way, in a way that brings healing. So Jesus isn't saying that we're never to have an opinion or never be discerning. Rather, Jesus is saying is that there is a certain way of judging people that we need to avoid. There is a way to judge people that does a lot of damage to the community. Uh, uh, Jesus' brother, James, uh, wrote a letter that comes later in the New Testament. And the book of James is is really James's, it's his sermon or his interpretation of the Sermon on the Mount. About 75% of the book has some relation to the Sermon on the Mount. And in the book of James, James chapter 4, he talks about this verse. He says this, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? This is a helpful explanation of Jesus' words on the Sermon on the Mount. 
James and Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't discern the rightness or the wrongness of people's actions. Rather, in our hearts, we do not stand as judge, jury, and executioner of that person. We do not condemn them for their actions. We don't slander them or despise them for their shortcomings. We can't put ourselves as judge over that person. That's not our responsibility. That's not our role. That belongs to God. When Jesus says, don't judge, he's, he's talking about this thing that we, that we often do in our, other, in our hearts when we see people in our life uh, that, that are different than us or who think different than us or who act different than us or who are actually doing things that harm themselves. It's this thing that we do in our hearts that creates division between me and them. And all of us do this in ways uh, much more than we would want to admit. Maybe we just do it internally, but all of us do it. There's someone that, that we don't like. Maybe it's a person that we, we just think they're a real jerk. And we, we find something out about a person. They have some idea that, they, that we disagree with, or, or they voted for the wrong person in the last election, or they, they hold some opinion that we don't like. And we put them in this, this category of people over there. We draw this line, and we we think less of them. We put them over there, and we are over here. We kind of despise them for their, their opinion or their behavior. We condemn them in our hearts. We hold them in contempt. We put a label on them, and, and, and we put them over there. And, and, and we kind of think that Jesus agrees with us about that person, Right? If Jesus were here, we could stand and talk together about that person way over there, and we would just agree. It's me and Jesus over here, that person, and other people like her over here. We do that, don't we? You do that. This is self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is exhausting. It's exhausting for you. It's exhausting for everybody around you. And it's terrible for the Christian community. And this is the kind of judgment that Jesus is saying not to do. Because here is the point, my friends, and here's what every single follower of Jesus needs to know and understand. Jesus is over there, and we are all over here. Every one of us. He's over there. And we are all together over here. When we do this kind of judging where we draw a line in the sand and we begin to despise people who are different than us or hold a different opinion than us, we create this distance between us and them when the fact of the matter is spiritually we are much closer to that person than we ever know. Because there is only one who is righteous and it's not me. It is him. One of the most familiar verses in the whole Bible is, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And we use this verse to help people who are not yet followers of Jesus to understand their sin. But I want to suggest to you today that this verse has great power for us as a Christian community. For all have sinned, we are all over here together. This is instant community. We all have something in common. We are sinners in need of God's mercy and grace. We are all together here, and Jesus is perfect and over there. And understanding this truth, knowing it deep inside of us, knowing this truth that we are all together in this need for Jesus, that will bring freedom and joy to our church, and it will bring healing among us in our relationships. It will deepen our relationships with each other. Being self-righteous, I and Jesus are over here and you are over there. It is exhausting for you and for everyone around you. But this knowing, this knowing, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, knowing that truth brings life and it brings freedom because you don't have to try to pretend to be perfect anymore. And you can give a lot, of other, a lot of space for other people to be not so perfect either. All of us are traitors and enemies of God, but for God's mercy. All of us. And self-righteousness is so tiring. It requires us to look around at the behaviors of others and to become the judge of others. Self-righteousness requires us to always be right But knowing Romans 3.23 brings freedom to you and to the people around you. And in verse 2, Jesus gives the reason, the warning for why we shouldn't judge people in in this way where we divide one another. He says this, In the same way you judge others, you also will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. And I want to suggest to you that this is true both in, the, in our earthly relationships as well as in our relationship with God. If you are a self-righteous jerk who doesn't know how to extend grace to others, guess what? You're not going to get much grace extended back to you. That's just the way it goes. You don't give it to me, I'm likely not going to give it to you. But if you extend grace, if you are the kind of person who gives room and space for people to be their broken selves, then you will find that others will give room for you too. So verse 2 is true in our relationships with other people, and we know that. We know we've experienced that. And it's also true in our relationship with God. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray. Forgive us of our sins. How? As we forgive others who sin against us. There's this really sobering parable about this servant who owes his master uh, millions upon millions upon trillions of dollars. (laughs) And he goes to the master, and the master just forgives him of all of it. Says, I forgive you. And he goes away. And he he walks outside, and he immediately sees somebody that owes him a few bucks. And, And he grabs him by the neck, and he says, give me my money now. And then he sends him off to prison because he didn't pay him this this debt. And the master hears about that. 
He's very disturbed, and he, he throws the man into prison himself. Followers of Jesus, we all know that we're here. We know that we have been forgiven of a million, trillion, trillion dollar debt. We know. And so we are very quick to extend that to others. So let's move on to this illustration that Jesus uses about the plank and the speck. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? The first thing that I want you to notice is that Jesus talks about our brother or our our brother and sister. This is really important. Jesus is talking here about in-house fellow disciples of Jesus that we are called to judge and to seek to rightly remove the speck from their eyes. It's not our business as a church to judge non-believers by the standards of the Christian faith. And Paul affirms this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. And I think we've done a lot of damage to our Christian witness when we start talking badly about the culture out there and how bad it is. When non-Christians throw Jesus' words back at us, don't judge, I think they're at least half right. We need to be careful about that. Scripture tells us that we have a responsibility to judge the actions of those inside the church. But outside the church, we leave that to God. We have this responsibility to rightly judge and to, to notice the speck in other people's eyes. But we have to do that in a relationship, in a relationship with people who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Correction in the Christian community is a very relational and a very delicate and a very intentional work. The kind of judgment that Jesus calls us to do is between brothers and sisters in Christ, between people who we are close to. Removing specks from people's eyes happens in relationship. And so Jesus gives us this image of trying trying to remove the speck in somebody's eye when we have this plank, this, this telephone pole in our own eye. What is Jesus after here? What is, what's he saying? Jesus is telling us that we, we do have a responsibility to help our brothers and sisters remove the speck from their eyes, but we need to be willing to have those, those hard conversations to remove that speck, but we have to do it in a way We must do it in a way where our intention is for that conversation to bring healing. That must be our goal, for that conversation to bring healing. I want to suggest to you that in order for that conversation to bring healing, it requires at least two things. First, you have to be able to see well. And secondly, that person needs to trust you. You need to be able to see well, and that person needs to trust you. A plank in your eye, at the very least, if it doesn't kill you, at the very least, keeps you from seeing very well. 
If you're going to remove a speck from someone's eye, you need to see well. And so what Jesus is saying here is that if you're going to help someone remove a speck from their eye, there is some inner work that you need to do in your own heart first. You need to just assume, just assume that there's stuff in your life that you need to deal with first. This is a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, No sermon of Ryan's is complete without... (laughs) A quote from either Dallas Willard or Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So here it is. He says this, and this is, man, if we understood this. If my sinfulness appears to me to be in any way smaller or less detestable in comparison to the sins of others, then I am still not recognizing my own sinfulness at all. My sin is of necessity the worst, the most grievous, and the most reprehensible. Brotherly love will find any number of excuses for the sins of others. Only for my sin is there no apology whatsoever. Can you imagine a community of people who live that way? Who truly saw their sin, who truly saw themselves as here always, and always pushing their brothers and sisters in Christ towards Jesus in one way or another because they know we're here. If you're going to do some speck removal, there's some honesty with yourself that needs to happen first. What is it in my own life that needs to be addressed? The plank in your eye needs addressed first. You need to be able to see clearly in order to help your brother or sister remove the speck from their eye. Secondly, if you're going to remove the speck from someone's eye, it requires them to trust you. They need to know that you are for them. They need to know that it isn't your goal to win or to somehow make them smaller. They need to see you as a person who has refused to draw a line in the sand because they know that you are with them over here. They know that you're here. And that honesty and that that vulnerability that you do in dealing with the plank that is in your own eye, that honesty and vulnerability will create space for other people to be honest and vulnerable too. Allowing someone like to poke around your eye, that's a really sensitive thing, right? It requires trust. And it will be your honesty, the fact that they see a person who has dealt with the plank that is in their eye, that's going to allow them to trust you to deal with their speck. That honesty and vulnerability with yourself creates all kinds of space for other people to trust you. For them to know that your goal isn't for you to be over here while they're over there but for you to be here, right there with them in their hurt and in their sin and in their brokenness. The calling here in these verses is not don't judge, get off my back. The calling here in these verses is to move closer to our brothers and sisters in Christ to move towards our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are hurting or who are in sin, who are doing things that harm themselves or who har- that harm other people. And in this passage, we are instructed to move towards our brothers and sisters with the goal of bringing healing, 
not concerned with our own way or winning an argument, but moving towards them in a way that binds up their wounds rather than making more of them. The kind of judgment that we practice in the church is a kind of judgment that brings healing, and that healing is sometimes painful. It's almost always uncomfortable. Having a speck in your eye and trying to remove it, it brings tears, right? But if that is done in the right way, it is tears that will bring healing. Verse 6, do not give dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. I think there's a lot of different applications for this verse, but the most plain meaning of this passage is this. Not everyone is ready to hear your truth yet. That's it. I think that's what this verse means. Not everyone is ready to hear your truth truth yet. And what Jesus is saying is that we need to be careful and wise and discerning about who we share our words with, even our true words, even if they are words, precious pearls that we have to offer other people. We need to make sure that they're ready to hear them. In our relationship with one another, we may see that there are people in our life that, needs, that need correction. They do have a speck or maybe even a log in their eye that needs to be removed. But that work, it might not be a work that you're called to do. Maybe it is. And we've talked today about ways that we need to go about doing that. It is our responsibility, but it isn't always our responsibility. And some people kind of make themselves the committee of uh, responsibility for removing specks. And it's just not always our responsibility. What you have to offer the other person might not, they might not be ready to receive it. Or maybe they're just not ready to receive it from you. Wisdom and discernment is required here. We don't throw our pearls, our true things, our things that need to be heard, our true words to people. We need to be careful with who we give those to. So there's a few questions that I want to leave with you today. Two questions? Yeah, two questions. The first is this. Uh, Who is it that you are judging in that dividing line way? Who is it that you're, you're standing over here and you're just talking to Jesus about all those people over there? Who is that in your life? Or what group of people is that in your life? You need to stop. For your sake, the sake of the unity of the church, you need to get down on your knees next to that person, either in your heart or maybe even literally. You need to be with them. Who are you judging? Who have you condemned in your heart? Who have you uh, given a label to and said, I'm over here and you're over there? Second question, what's the plank in your eye? The church is the most, most healthy when all of us are seeing well, when all of us have very clear vision. So what needs to be removed? What inner soul work do you need to do to get rid of that plank in your eye? You need to get ugly honest with yourself. You need to be willing to be vulnerable with someone else and to share with them about that plank in your eye and ask them to help you get rid of it. 
I want to suggest to you, friends, that the world really longs for and needs a community who does things like that together. A community of humility, where we aren't out to get one up on the other person, where we aren't out to win an argument, but where we move into the lives of others for the purpose of binding up one another's wounds. To gently and kindly remove the speck from someone's eye, not because they are wrong and we are right, but because all of us are wrong and Jesus is right. This is the gospel. And knowing the gospel, knowing all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, knowing the gospel creates instant community. We all have that one thing in common sinners who are miraculously saved by the grace and mercy of God. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would would show us the people in our life who we are judging, who we have judged in in an unholy way, in in a way where we have put ourselves in your place and have condemned or despised or labeled Lord, I pray that you'd reveal that to us and give us the power and the ability by your spirit to, in our own hearts or maybe very personally and intimately, to kneel with them, to be with them as fellow sinners who have been made saints through the mercy of Christ. And Lord, would you also show us the plank in our eyes? We will be a better church, a stronger church, a healthier church, a better demonstration to the world if we see clearly. And so would you show us the plank that is in our eye and help us to have the courage to be honest and vulnerable with what that is and to find other people in our life who will help us get rid of it. Lord, I pray that you would make us at Broadway more and more this this kind of community that is in this kind of relationship with one another. Certainly for our own health and for our own growth, uh, but Lord, also that we would be a much brighter light here, that the world would see a community who, who knows what mercy and grace means, who knows what forgiveness means, and who knows what holiness means and knows what walking in it means. We ask for your help in the name of Jesus. Amen.